Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. What if you knew that the promise of something greater, something that would surpass all of your expectations, existed? Would you dare believe it? What would you sacrifice for it? We're in a series titled Sand and Stars, a look into the life of Abraham and living a life of great faith. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There you can find all our video messages as well as exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. Now, let's get into this week's message. Well, hey, we're in a series called Sand and Stars. Today is part five. If you've missed any of it, uh, you can find it online or on our website. We're actually going to be finishing up next week. And the whole idea behind this series, because Abraham is our central figure in the series, is that God has a good plan for your life. And when we say a good plan, we don't just mean a plan. You're not just a thing, an accident. No, no, no. You are uniquely created by God for a very special purpose. God has a good plan for your life. That was part one. If you don't believe that, go hear part one, and hopefully you'll believe it by the end of that. So now, once we believe God has a good plan for our life, then the rest of the series is about the steps that we need to take to see that plan fulfilled, Right? All right, cool. So I wasn't here for part four. I had a good friend of mine, Heath Cadell, preach last week because I was off in LA preaching at a different church there. Had the great opportunity to do that. And so I took my wife along because it was our 23rd anniversary. So we were just having a lot of fun. There you go. Yeah, come on. 23 years. That's... That's worth at least a hand clap, right? 23 years, wow. We had a phenomenal time, in case you were wondering. Thanks for asking. Um, but uh, just so you know, it actually did not start off very well. I kind of thought the whole trip might be in jeopardy. So we were leaving like uh, Wednesday, getting there a little bit early. And uh, as we were flying out, we had an appointment that morning. So we went to the appointment, we had some extra time. And I thought, okay, well, we're not gonna be able to eat again for a while, just the way our planes were booked and everything. And, and so let's go ahead and have lunch here in Columbia. So we go downtown park the car. We've only got to walk a block to the restaurant. We're just having lunch. It's not like a three-course meal. We're just having a cheeseburger kind of that. You know what I'm saying? And so as I pull out my phone to do the parking app, y'all, y'all know the, the little app where you do it? Yeah. I always just kind of take the maximum time, which is two hours. And, and it's just a default of mine. But this day I thought to myself, I'm not going to be here two hours. I've got a plane to catch. I don't have time to be here two hours. So I should save like 50 cents. <laughs> And then there's that little voice. Come on, y'all know that little voice? This is, don't save 50 cents. Just pay for the whole two hours, man. You never know what's going to happen. But then I argue with that little voice. I know I won't be here for the whole two hours because I'm going to be at the airport. Save 50 cents. Go down to the restaurant. We only had to walk a block, sit down, order cheeseburgers, and I met the slowest waiter on planet Earth. Never had a waiter this slow in my life. And I'm gonna, look, this is not an exaggeration and this is exactly what happened. This guy walked this speed right here. Across the restaurant, you need more water? I kid you not. The problem was the water was not three steps away. The water was 20 steps away. The kitchen was 30 steps away. I mean, this guy has like zero goals in life because he does not intend to move at a speed to accomplish anything. Sorry, that's just my diagnosis. I mean, we're sitting here going, oh my gosh. And at one point we needed something and and my wife was like, don't ask for it because we don't have time to get it. (laughs) It was that bad. So as as we finally like, dude, we got to go. Like, can you get the check? I mean, again, it's 
stop by another table, refill their water. I'm like, oh. And we, so we get out of there. We're going down the street. We've got to get there because my little, my little phone went off. It's I'm out of time. And so I got to get to my car. And as I'm walking up, because I'm only like three minutes late, right? I mean, you know, it's a big city. The parking guys are who knows where. I'll tell you where he was. He was at my car. I think they must be like watching, who's about to expire, I'll be there. So I'm stuck, I can't cross the walk because there's like a red light. And so I'm yelling, I'm getting in that car, wait. And when I finally get over there, he pushes, prant. I don't think it should count if it doesn't touch the car. I mean, that's just my (laughs) parking ticket that you can hand the driver should not count, right? Now here's the problem. I'm one of those people that I get really frustrated when I feel like I've made a bad choice, a bad decision, kind of missed it, you know? I'm one of those people, the rest of my day is ruined if I order something to eat, and and like I knew I should have ordered something else, but I order that one, then I don't like it, you know? I see a few heads nodding, yeah? Anybody else with me in here? We're gonna start a group therapy for us, because we need one. Okay, I would love to tell you that that's the only thing that went wrong. So then we, we, we have this parking ticket in hand. My wife's like, don't, don't worry, honey, don't, because she knows, first of all, I'm sorry. <sighs> you know, like the whole thing is going wrong. She's like trying to talk me down, get to the airport. She's like, okay, look, all you got to do now is just fly and relax. Just, just chill. She's trying to talk me down. And so as we sit down and we get ready to wait for our plane, they come on. Ladies and gentlemen, this flight is overbooked. So they're asking for people to get off of the plane. And the cool part is they're offering $300 each to get off of the plane. And immediately that little voice that said, take the whole two hours, dummy, was saying, go get the 600 bucks, dude. Like, all you got to do is get to LA and go to your hotel. Who cares if you get there an hour later? They're going to put you on the next flight. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I really want to do that. Somebody's picking me up at the airport. Of course, I'm just going to text them and say, pick me up later. Not a big deal. It wouldn't have been a big deal, but I'm having this whole conversation in my head with myself. Y'all know how it is. Then I turn to my wife, honey, what do you think? Should we take the $600? Like, I don't know, whatever. It sounds good to me. All we got to do is fly. I'm not too worried about it. So I get ready to get up, and the lady in front of me apparently didn't take that long to make the decision. She gets the $600. She sits back down. She's on the next flight. I kid you not, within one minute of her sitting down, the flight is delayed. And I end up on the exact same plane that I could have been on with $600 in my pocket. (laughs) True story. Now, you want to know how ticked off I am at that point? Because I feel like I just missed it, and I missed it, and I'm arguing all the time with this voice going, you know, you might know my frustration, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Man, see, here's this thing. The problem is there are so many voices around us and so many thoughts going on, sometimes it's hard to know exactly which one is God, right? I mean, we've got people, they're always telling us what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how we should do it. We've got circumstances like the plane is booked. Is this a good sign? Is this a bad sign? Is this difficulty in front of me, God saying, don't do this? Or is this difficulty in front of me, the enemy trying to keep me from what God has for me? Come on, right? It's hard to read your circumstances sometimes. And then there's that little voice. That little voice says, go get the tickets, dude. Yeah, put two hours on the meter. It'll be okay. It's only 50 cents. Better safe than sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like save 50 cents, pay an $8 parking ticket. There you go. How did that turn out? You know, and, and you're always trying to figure out which one of these is God. So here's the reason we're talking about this today. Again, if God has a good plan for your life, one of the things that we're going to have to do if we want to walk in that plan is choose which voice we'll listen to and actually decide if we're hearing from God. 
You see, Abraham, one of the things that we can say about Abraham so far in this series is every time, every time he heard from God clearly, he did what he was told. Every time he heard from God clearly, he believed what God said. But today, Abraham, he's got something in common with us. And that is when he doesn't hear from God clearly, or at all, he makes a choice that, well, might not have been so good. So that's where we are picking up the story. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. If you don't have Bibles, don't worry. It's going to be on the screens right here beside me. But let me just go ahead and fill you in where we are chronologically. If you've been here for the whole series, this is one of those episodes that's a flashback, okay? We're going back in time. It's just how it worked out the way that we preached through the series. We had a theme we had to follow. It got us all the way into chapter 17. It got us into where God said, you are no longer Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And you are no longer Sarai, but your name shall be Sarah. And so we've already been there on Sunday morning for you and, and me, and now we're going back in time. If you're here for the first time, you can ignore everything I just said, because you're cool. You don't, you don't even have to worry about the fact that we've already been somewhere else in the story. I just don't want anybody confused as we're backing up, okay? So we're good? All right, so now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Y'all can see where this is going already, can't you? And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And very important, Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Wow. Can you believe this story made the Bible? I mean, sometimes you really got to wonder like, whoa, God, what kind of people are you trying to like work with on planet earth here? But hey, anyway, so Abraham listened to Sarai and it could be because he has no word from God. There's nothing in the, in the Bible right here. So we have to understand and believe there's no word from God. Now, the question is why? Is there no word from God because God isn't speaking? Or is there no word from God because Abraham isn't bothering to seek God? You know, this would have been a really good time if God didn't say, Abraham, do what your wife says. Or, Abraham, don't do what your wife says. If God was going to be silent, this would have been a really good time for Abraham to say, hey God, what do you think of my wife's idea? This would have been an excellent time to ask that question. But he doesn't, and he doesn't hear from God, and he doesn't go asking God. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in the same place where we're not sure what we should do. Our circumstances are like this. People around us are saying that. We're, we're not really sure, and we're thinking maybe God's not speaking. Well, God may not be speaking if you haven't done the last thing that he said to you. Come on. Y'all didn't like that, but it's true. I got kids. Any parents in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got at least one. I've got four children, but I've got one that is that kid that if I say, please go do this, well, then what are we going to do after that? And if after we did, can we do this? And well, I need to do, no, just go do what I said. No, well, after we, I mean, stop. But they don't stop. What's so hard, right now, are we going to do, no. just do what I told you to do. And then we'll talk about what comes next. And sometimes if you think God's not speaking to you, I would encourage you, open up your journal, go back, pray through it, and, and, and talk to God. God, when was the last time you did tell me something and I ignored you? And maybe God's, God's waiting on you to go back and do that thing before you hear something else. But sometimes we don't hear God simply because we don't bother to go and ask him what he thinks about the situation that we're facing, right? 
So think about this. If you grew up going to church and you've heard this story, I'm about to mess up your thinking. So if you grew up going to church, you've heard the story of Abraham and you've heard the idea. So spoiler alert, he is going to do what his wife suggested. If you're new to the story, he's about to do what his wife suggested. And if you've ever heard this preached in church before, this is the point where the sermon always goes like this. Abraham took matters into his own hands. He did something he should not have done. He sinned against God. He went and had a kid with his wife's servant. That's how the story goes. That's how the sermon goes. And we always paint Abraham as this being the biggest mistake of his life, and he should have known better. But here's why I'm going to mess with your thinking. Because I don't believe he should have known better. Let me explain myself. Remember, Adam and Eve in the garden, walking in the garden, talking with God just like you and I can walk and talk today. But they sinned. They get kicked out of the garden and fellowship with God is broken. And then 19 generations later, God says, it is time for me to have fellowship with my creation. It is time for me to have a people on the earth. It is time for me to reveal myself, and I'm going to do it through this guy named Abraham. Matter of fact, we're just in chapter 12 of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. There hasn't been much happening since Adam and Eve. Very little interaction with mankind at all. One guy named Noah, pretty much it. That's kind of where we are. So when we, when we say Abraham messed up right here and Abraham sinned and Abraham did something he shouldn't have done, we're looking back. We have this. Abraham didn't have this. We know that God does not want us to go and have a second wife or to have children with our servants or anyone else. We know because we've got this. We can look back 4,000 years to Abraham. Here's what Abraham knew, what God said to him. That's the only thing Abraham knew. He didn't have parents to raise him to teach him Bible stories. He didn't go to church on Sunday mornings. The only thing he knew is that in chapter 12, when he was 75 years old, God said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great multitude of you. You're going to have many descendants. Go to the promised land that I'm going to give you. And Abraham says, okay, and he goes to the promised land. And then, not much else. Chapter 15 about 10 years later is what we think. We know that what we're reading today was 13, uh, 11 years later, so we know this was about 10 years later. And, and God says, you're going to have many descendants. And Abraham says, well, how am I going to do that? Because my wife is barren and I've just got this, this servant. I guess my descendants will be named through my servant. And God says, no, it won't be your servant. It'll be a natural-born son. And now here's the next moment in his life. He's looking at his circumstances. My wife is barren. He's looking at the fact that God said you're going to have a natural born son. And he's looking at the culture around him. And at that time, it was normal. What everybody did was to have children through servants or even second wives. We're actually going to see that Abraham's grandson, Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, had four of his sons by servants. And they are legitimately considered tribes in Israel still to this day, right? So from Abraham's standpoint, because he is yet to be told by God, no, 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 only your wife, Sarah. No, 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 this son will come through Sarah. God doesn't tell him that for 13 more years in chapter 17. So at this point, Abraham is looking at his circumstances. He's confused. God said, I'm gonna have a lot of kids, but my wife is barren. 
So I thought it would be through my servant. But then God says it's going to come through a son. So I've got to figure out another way for this to happen. And so I'm just listening to what my wife says. I'm looking at what my culture does. And he didn't bother to say, hey, God, what do you think about this idea? So we can't, in my opinion, call him sinful and wrong, but we can call him unwise that he didn't go and talk to God about it. Is that fair? All right, so here we go. In in verse 3, so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Young people who are always wondering, why do I have to wait until marriage? Is that just what my parents say? Is that just what the pastor says? Why do I have to wait until marriage? Because in God's world, the, the act of intimacy is the wedding. We, we have a nice ceremony here in America and here on earth and here in time, but as far as God is concerned, when that happens, they just became your spouse. And so that's why you're supposed to wait until they are your spouse. That was for free just because we got a lot of youth in the room for the third service. That's what happens when you come. And so he went into Hagar and she conceived. Y'all can see like a really bad episode of Sister Wives coming up, can't you? Y'all, y'all, y'all you see the story coming? And so when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. There you go. Pride sneaks in. Look at what I've done. I did what you couldn't do. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's there, right? And so Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. Man, any dudes in the room like feeling sorry for Abram at the moment? Kind of like, it was your idea. Why are you yelling at me? You're the one that said, let's go to Disney in like July and it's a good idea. No, it was your idea. Anyway, I gave my servant to your embrace and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. (laughs) And Abram, true to form, just tried to get out of trouble. Might have been a good thing to say. I don't really know at this point. He's just like, okay, whatever you want. She's your servant, do whatever makes you happy. You can do as you please. She's in your power, whatever. And so then Sarai dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. So what we know is that Abram is listening to Sarai. What we know Sarai is listening to is her own broken emotions. I mean, if you can imagine at this point, she's got to be angry. I mean, look at the situation that she's in. She's probably angry at this guy named God her husband keeps telling her about who says he's supposed to have kids. So she tried to help him out and now she's all messed up. She's angry at her servant. She's probably jealous of her servant. After all, now her servant can do for her husband what she can't. She's probably insecure like, wow, well, if she can give give him a child, maybe she can steal his heart too. I don't know. There was that story where he gave me away to a king just so he could stay alive, if you guys remember that whole part. So, I mean, there's a lot of raw, unfiltered, messed up emotions going on, and that's what she's listening to. Now, in her defense, I'd probably be doing the same because her raw, unfiltered emotions are really like, pretty accurate to what she's been through. I mean, think about this. She now has a husband who has a pregnant wife and is not her. She also now has a former servant who is her husband's wife. She also has a servant who used to bow before her, but now looks down upon her. I don't know. I think I'd be angry. I'd be a little jealous. I'd be figuring out how to kill her in her sleep that night, personally. I mean, it's like dealing harshly with her. She'd be lucky if I just dealt harshly with her at this point. I can understand the emotions. The problem is that sometimes the voice we listen to is our emotions. And all of the brokenness inside of us and and the frustrations that we have, and we let that become our guide for the step that we want to take. Now, look, we said in part one already, and we've already reviewed, 
God has a good plan for your life. And I think most of us have embraced that idea. So then we came back in part two and immediately said, so if God's got a good plan for your life, there will be challenges to that plan being fulfilled, right? And so the question I have for us today is, is your soul ready for the challenges that will come? Is your soul ready for what you're gonna feel when things don't go as easily as you would want them to go, when, when things just start falling apart and, and things are going wrong, is your soul ready or is it going to lead you off track if you just follow those emotions? I'm gonna tell you that I was not ready and, and I don't know if anybody in here ever really was, at least the first time that you felt like things weren't going the way they were supposed to. When I was 16, God told me I would do what I'm doing at this very moment. When I was 16, he told me that I'd be a pastor, I'd be a leader of a church that I would preach his word. Now, here's the problem. A good pastor would be in touch with their own brokenness. A, a good pastor would be aware of their character flaws that would cause themselves to maybe not even be a good preacher of the word because maybe they're hypocritical or maybe they just don't know the things they do that would offend other people. A good pastor would at least maybe not be completely in control, but at least aware of their own emotions and how that affected them. A good pastor would be able to keep charging ahead to what God had said, even when things weren't going well, because after all, you've got people following you and you've told them, let's go there to follow God. And when there is something that's getting in the way, you've got to keep your eyes on God and keep moving forward, right? And I couldn't have done any of that when God told me to do this. And so God took me on a process, a long, slow, painful process to become at least some of those things to some degree that I just described. But my raw emotions along the way had had enough. And there was one very specific point where I told God, I quit, I'm done. And there was an opportunity in front of me and I said, God, I'm gonna go do this. And if I go do this, I am putting this idea of being a pastor away. It, it's, I'm never gonna speak of it again. I'm never gonna think about it again. I'm never doing that. I am done because what I feel just does not line up with what you are taking me through. I, I don't wanna feel this anymore. And fortunately for me, in God's sovereignty, he made sure that didn't work out. I didn't have any other choice but to continue getting shaped and molded by God for many, many years. So Hagar is left. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Are you kidding? Wow, I mean, seriously, can you all just imagine that moment right there? Like, excuse me, Angela, the Lord, I think you misunderstand. You do know she's like crazy. She's like dealing harshly with me. She's jealous. She's angry. She really could kill me in her sleep and be justified because she would be my mistress. I mean, I, you want me to go back there? Have, weren't you watching if you're the angel of the Lord? I know you saw what she was doing to me. I know you see how unfair it is. I only did what I was told. She was my mistress. She told me to go to my master. I just obeyed. Look at the trouble now. And you're going to tell me to go back to that? Are you kidding me? truth is, God will always tell us to do something that's just very, very hard to do. And it's usually going to involve some kind of submission to him 
just to find out if we'll do what he wants us to do. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult. And the truth is, some of us, as we're preaching through this series, some people are going to be saying, I I just feel like I'm not going to be able to live out God's good plan. I feel like there's something in between me and God's good plan. I feel like I got off track somewhere. And it's very possible that where we got off track from God's good plan for our life is when God said, do something, and we said, excuse me, no. Uh Uh-uh. You can ask a lot, but you can't ask that. That one, you can't touch. And it's something that God has said, something that we know he wants from us, but no, I'm not going there. It might be something he's asked you to do financially. It might be something he's asked you to do in a broken relationship. It might be something he's asked you to do in a marriage. It might be something you fill in the blank. But God may have asked us to do something that was hard. And that outside of God's blessing and outside of God's provision and outside of God's protection, it seemed like it would be a crazy move. But Hagar actually listened to God. So the angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Wow, thank you. This is an amazing word. You're speaking over my family and my child. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Really? This is amazing. I'm going to have a son, and he's going to be producing a multitude. This is great. Thank you so much. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Excuse me, angel. Can we, like, talk about that last part? You were doing so well there for a minute. So I'm going to have a son. He's going to produce multitudes, but he's not going to be very well liked. He's going to fight with his own kinsmen, and he's going to have a life of strife and difficulty. And that word proved true. If you know who Ishmael's descendants are today on the earth, they are still fighting within. It's one of the biggest issues on our planet is that the tribes among them want to wipe out their own other tribes. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Finally, the first person in the story today actually listened to the voice of God. Do you remember, Abram is listening to Sarah. Sarah is listening to her emotions. Only Hagar is actually doing what God says and actually hearing his voice. And so the question that I have for us today is as you try to walk in God's good plan for your life, which voice will you listen to? Because the truth is, If you want God's good plan for your life, you will have to make a difficult choice on which voices you allow in your life. We're all surrounded by voices. So let me ask you some questions about the people in your life as as you're talking to people and saying, maybe this is God's wisdom for me. This is God's advice for me. Here's the, are you talking to people who are filled with the spirit of God and know the word of God? Let, Let me even step that up one. Are you talking to people who live as though they know the Word of God and they themselves do the Word of God? 
You know, we have a tendency to ask people for advice that are struggling in some areas where we're struggling, so then we can kind of feel good when they give us permission to do something that we know God wouldn't say. But after all, they're a good godly person, right? They're another Christian. If they say, no, no, no. You need to make sure that the voices in your life, the people that you're going to for wisdom are people who are filled with God's spirit and are people who live according to this. That's the only chance you have for getting good godly advice from them. It's the only chance that we have. I'm gonna tell you that every, every critical point in my life, there was a person, many of them that I would go to church with, many of them who would be deemed Christians, that I probably will be with in heaven. There were always people trying to tell us to do something other than what I know is God's will. When I was going to leave college, I was a concert pianist, I was a piano performance major. When I was gonna leave college and move to Romania to do missions work and not play piano again, I had someone telling me, oh, you don't wanna lose that. You don't wanna lose that. That's not worth that. You don't wanna lose that. Make sure this is a short trip to Romania. You need to get back to playing piano. If I'd have listened to that person, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. See, I knew that God had not called me to play piano for a living. That that was not what he wanted me to do. When my wife and I were having difficulties with our marriage, we had Christian friends. We had people in our church that said, why don't you just quit? You'll be much happier. Just stop. Well, we might have been happier in that moment for a little while. I'm going to tell you what, we just celebrated our 23rd anniversary. I got to preach at a really cool church in LA and we had a great time and we're enjoying life way better than we ever would have if we had quit. But we had Christian friends telling us we should. At every critical point in my life, at every critical point, there was a person there to tell me to do something that was not what God wanted. And there were also people there that were telling us telling me what God would have us do. You're going to have to choose. Which people are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to people who are telling you what God's word says? Or are you going to listen to people who are doing God's word? Or are you going to listen to people whose lives are working? Let's talk about the circumstances you face. Look, I think one of the hardest things in the world to do is to discern the voice of God in our circumstances. God says, go. And as soon as you go, there's like a hole in the road. Is this God saying stop? Or is this the enemy trying to stop me? You know, it's one of the most difficult things to do is to discern the circumstances that we face. It's it's exactly where Abraham got messed up. He just looked at his circumstances. God said, I'm going to have a kid. My wife is barren. Oh, well. And he left out the next part. Let's talk about when you hear God through that little voice, that, that inner voice. First of all, can we just make sure we understand this isn't a strange thought. God is spirit, right? If God is spirit and God dwells inside of every one of his children through his spirit, then there's going to be an inner spiritual voice. We would all love to hear Joe from heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I mean, Sharon, this is what I want for you today. We, we want that audible voice from heaven. We think that's the way it works. That probably is how it worked for Abraham, because he had no clue to expect anything else. That, that, that's just probably what he got. But you and I, Jesus said, it's better that I go, because when I go, 
I will send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and he'll dwell in every single one of you. And you won't have to be in a room with me to hear the voice of God. You can all hear the voice of God. This is God's plan for us, is that that little voice that says, put the full time on the parking meter, Jimmy, because God knew that I had a turtle for a waiter. I didn't know, but God knew. When God said, go take that $600, don't think, just go, because God knew I was gonna end up on that flight anyway. You see, that is that little inner voice. And so when our circumstances aren't very clear and we're not exactly sure, is this God or is this the enemy? We're gonna need to bring in the right people. We're gonna need to bring in seeking God and, and hearing him through that inner voice and putting all that together because my hope for us is that we can do what Abraham did all the rest of the time. And that is when he heard from God clearly, he did what God said and he believed what God said. The problem is this is the time when he couldn't hear clearly or at all. And he didn't go seeking the right voice. And this is what we have to learn is which voice are we gonna listen to? Now, some of you at this point may be just feeling overwhelmed. Like, I don't know how to hear that voice. I, I need a voice from heaven. And if I can't get one, then I'm kind of lost. And look, if y'all won't laugh at me, this is a true story. When I was like eight, nine, 10, 11, I'm not really sure the age, but somewhere in that young age, I would watch sitcoms and I would actually get overwhelmed with anxiety. And it would always be when someone in the, the show got put into a stressful situation. Like maybe someone was supposed to sing and the singer didn't show up, so they handed them a microphone and they had to suddenly go up on stage and sing. Or, you know, they suddenly won an award and they had to go up on stage and they had to, to give a speech. And, and it was the greatest speech ever, you know, on the TV show. And I would always sit there going, oh, what would I do if I were in that situation? Like I would literally be filled with anxiety of being in like this really big moment and being unprepared. And that's what we think it's like to hear the voice of God. I think most of us, that's our analogy is like, I don't know what God's saying. Do I take this job and move my family all the way across the country? I don't know the voice of God. Am I supposed to marry this person or not marry this person? Oh, uh, what is God's? Look, you know what I learned about those sitcoms? They're not reality. The reality is, if you ever do get a big moment, you're gonna be prepared for it. Like every Sunday, like clockwork, somebody puts a microphone on me, puts me on stage and the lights turn on. You know why? Because I got notes. I've got notes. I already know what I'm gonna say. I don't freak out because I'm prepared for the big moment. I did have to go on stage and play music back when I was in college and guess what? I wasn't surprised by it. I had learned a song. I was prepared for the big moment. God wants you to be prepared for the big moment. He is actually speaking to you all along. The next time that you pull out your parking meter and you're like, I'm gonna save 50 cents, and that thought is like, nope, don't you do it. That's God. Could be, I can't guarantee, but it could be because God is spirit. He dwells within us and he wants to speak to his children. You know, every day you get in your car, you drive home from work, you do the same routine, the same routine, the same routine. One day you get in your car, you get ready to go home from work and you think, huh, I haven't taken that other road home in quite a while. Wonder what that's like. That could be God saying, take that road home. And maybe you get home and you check the news and you find out there was a 12 car accident on the road that you normally would have been on at the time you normally would have been there. And you go, let me add that to my data bank of how to hear God. 
And then you begin to feel like, every time I talk to that person, they give me bad advice, my life gets messed up. I'm gonna take them off the list. Every time I talk to this person, they give me godly advice and they end up closer to God's good plan for my life. I'm gonna keep them at the top of the list. That feeling, oh, I've recognized that feeling. The last four times I ignored this feeling, things didn't go well. That feeling, that's God. My prayer for us today is that we will choose which voice we're gonna listen to and that we will learn to believe God is speaking to us because God is speaking to us. It does take some time, but God will give you little thing after little thing after little thing. Like don't forget the milk. He'll give you a little stuff. So when the big stuff comes, should I marry this person? When the big stuff comes, you'll be prepared to hear God's voice. We just need to start with the little stuff. And if you ever do end up in a place like Abraham, Go to God and say, hey, what do you think of this? Is this a good idea? It's what he missed that I pray we won't. So what I'd like to do is just pray for us. Pray for us to be able to hear God's voice and pray for us to be able to discern what God is saying so that then we can actually do what God says. You can't do what God says if you don't know what God says, right? So my prayer for us today is that we will learn how to hear his voice. Can I pray for you guys? Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person in this room right now. I I, I believe that we believe you have a plan for us and it is a good plan and you created us to do something. And I believe that every person here would want to walk in that if we could just clearly know which steps you want us to take. So my first prayer, God, is that you will help us to discern between the right people, the wrong people, between circumstances, between when to turn right, when to turn left, when to go, when to stop. You'd help us to discern when are you saying to do which and when are you saying to not do the other. Let us learn to hear your voice. Let us know when it is your voice inside, when you are speaking. And God, then I pray that we will seek you. At times where we feel like we're not sure what to do, that we will learn something from Abraham. And instead of just taking advice and just looking at our circumstances and just doing what comes naturally, that we'll actually stop and say, God, what do you say? And if we don't hear, we don't move. And we don't move until we hear. Because you are a God who speaks to his people. If you just stay in a, a place of prayer, I want to speak to one other group as we close today. You see, the Spirit of God dwells inside of all of those who would call Jesus their Lord and Savior. It is His gift to us, is the, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And you may say, I don't feel like God's Spirit dwells within me. I don't feel like I can hear God's voice. And that could be true if you've never made Jesus your King. And I want to help you make that exchange today to give up the life you've built for yourself and instead take the one that he has prepared for you. I'm just gonna lead you in a conversation with him. Just say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I wanna live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great purpose in your kingdom. 
Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.